It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi there, I'm Brian Abana, and you're listening to the Mall Over Cotpost. Hello and welcome to this week's Small Over podcast, the only rugby podcast that gives you the news, views and opinion on the weekend's rugby action or the West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter, we are at Mallover Podcast, Mallover Rugby Podcast on Facebook and you can find all of our podcasts and other content on the Sports Podcast Network. Uh, I'm joined this week by uh, the nicest man in Cornish Rugby Podcast, Tim Ben Eustace. How you doing, Ben? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Good, and I'm also joined by, uh, I don't even know how to describe him anymore. A complete (laughs) cunt. Yeah, let's describe him. Let's drop the C-bomb early. Um, One of the shortest known Mike Friday lookalikes in the world, uh, Douglas Andrews. Hello, Dougie. How you doing, Millers? (laughs) Uncle Millers. That's a good one. Um, let, Let me start with a little story. Um, because we mentioned last week that you and I went to the Oval to watch absolutely no cricket. Um, but what we failed to mention, because we ran out of time and I had to do that little uh, interlude segment at the end, was we were faced with, on the train from, was it Chalfont and Latimer that we got on the train? Or was it Chesham? Amersham. We got on the train at Amersham, did we? Right, so we got on the train from Amersham to Mar- Marylebone. Marylebone. <laughs> And uh, I think it might have even been at Chalfont and Latimer that two of the most, I mean, to say the two most middle-class plum chino-wearing boys from the city got on uh, and proceeded to have the loudest conversation known to man across the carriage about all sorts of things, um, including one guy who was uh, leaving leaving his job that day and uh, was telling everybody he had no idea how many people were coming to the, his leaving drinks because there were bloody loads of them. Loads of people going to his bloody leaving They're all drinks. coming. They're all coming. Everyone's coming. Like, everyone. Um, ben, go on, mate. Um, when I got the train back from one of the World Cup games in Brighton, there was an American guy who obviously knew everything about rugby, who'd made friends with two red Chino types. And um, he was like, yeah, hey, guys, what's your favourite Premiership team? <laughs> Premiership. You, you just saw the panic come over their faces because they only go and watch one internationally, yeah. And eventually <laughs> they're like, yeah, 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 Harlequins. Yeah, I love Harlequins. I mean, th- this got better because it turns out that one of the guys... Uh, I've been trying to retire for so long, um, but he was uh, picked for the, they they had a hooker shortage in the club. So he, he came back, um, but he didn't even get picked. And he was the only hooker available. He was, he was quite, <laughs> he was quite annoyed by the whole scenario. Um, and then they decided to, to start talking about their favorite, favorite team, uh, which just happened to be Saracens. Um <laughs> But they're only go. They'll only go and watch Saracens. We're only. We're only going to Barnet uh, if I can. If I can tap up uh, my friend and get us some free tickets, and maybe uh, one of us can drive, and then three of us can have a few. You know, five, five pints, and the, and the driver can have like two or three. I'm like, well, clearly that's illegal. But um, you know, we all know it's five and drive. Hmm. Um, and then to to cap it all off. What one of the guys went into to talk about the new Saracens kit, and he described Owen Farrell, and I quote, uh, "Have you seen the new Saracens kit? Oh yeah, Faza looks amazing in it. <laughs> Fucking Faza, 
<laughs> so, so Dougie and I sat opposite each other on the on this train. And the minute he said Fazza, all I did was look up from my phone. And Doug's shoulders have started to to shake a little bit, and we're, and we're just looking at each other, going, "You know, when you know what each other are thinking, he's going, these two are an absolute pair of melts. What are they going on about? One of them, one of yeah. them, clearly." Yeah. Clearly, yeah, everyone's um, come, yeah, yeah, having, having yeah, his mum no, and dad's sky go because he yeah, can't no be one went because he because he didn't want to pay for no his own. Went. He's been trying to retire for years from the rugby club because everyone fucking hates him. Typical, he's that typical guy, yeah. And it was funny, so there you go. That, that was a funny, well, I, I guess what it depends what your uh definition of funny is, but that was the anecdote from the from the train. Um, should we talk about should we talk about some rugby from the weekend and, and beyond? Um, other than the other than the Premiership trying to eat itself again with this whole Worcester scenario that I'm sure we'll come on to. Um, there were no Friday no Friday night matches on live television this week. I'm assuming to do with uh, crew availability and camera availability. No, and nothing to do with that. It was Northampton Saints not having adequate rest time because they played on Sunday last week and they were due to play on Friday this week. Um, and so they claim that they didn't have enough rest, which I, d- I don't know how the human body works, but I'm not sure how an extra 14 hours rest makes that much difference. Yet again, the Premiership doing its best to make itself look like an entirely shambolic organisation. Um, but... There was a game on Thursday. Ben and Doug, did you see or hear anything about this Bledisloe Cup match? Yeah, I I caught the last 20 minutes of it, which uh, was interesting. Yeah, what did you make? I mean, well, well, the last, well, last two minutes was interesting. The rest of it, I couldn't give two shits about. But. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, having watched the last two minutes, and I've watched it a couple of times and listened to Raynal speak, I don't understand what the big deal is. He gave Australia ample time to uh, to get on with it. And actually, I, you would hope in the future, more referees would, would take heed of what he did because there's so much fucking wasted time in rugby that, you know, little things like that, just kick the ball into touch. Oh yeah, but it's, it's the last two minutes. We're under real pressure, whatever. Just kick it into touch, mate. Kick it into touch. Yeah, You've got, you got the throw I, in. I sort of felt like if you really back yourself, just tap and go. All you got to do is play three phases. Yeah. Three phases and the game's over. If you can't retain the ball, picking and go for three three phases, then um, you probably don't deserve to win. I, I, I don't know what the statistics would say, but I'd, I'd probably suggest that you, you're more likely to pick and go three phases than you are to kick to touch, win a line out, play first phase ball and not concede either a turnover but or... I suppose the, the risk for the line out is you can waste a good 30 or 40 seconds by kicking it and just jogging over in that general direction. Can't you You don't have to sprint over there and you can get, well, yeah, I mean, it's their own fault. It's just play the, play the fucking game, you know, or stop the clock once a penalty is awarded and don't, don't start the clock until it, until it, until it um, is put back in play. So, I mean, that's an easy answer to avoid this situation ever again. I mean, it'll never happen in the same way that there'll never be a scrum clock and there'll never be um, time put back on the clock for when a TMO interjection costs everyone two minutes of match time. Yeah, seven hours of their life. I, I don't think many people have got a problem with it except for Australians, have they? Which, well, which makes I'd, it all the more delicious. Australia to have won because anything to see New Zealand get beaten at anything, never, you know. So I'd have I mean, liked both those Australia teams, to really. have won. But no, there, there, there really isn't that much you can complain about. It's just stupidity, rank stupidity. And, and, mm. and a, another example of players just having no respect for referees and, and just sort of thinking that they're... They're bigger than them, you know. Yeah. Talking of talking of rank stupidity, um, where <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm gonna know the answer to this. Where'd you sit on that um Darcy Swain clear out? Pretty naughty, wasn't it? 
Well, yeah. yeah, but are we are we forming an opinion based on outcome with that? Because if he goes six inches higher, he hits him on the thigh, and everyone says it's perfect. I mean, yes. It, it's in from the side, but there's a million in from the side clear outs. You're told to go low, so he's gone low and he's just happened to hit a weak spot. Do you, I mean, yes, that, that is Demarge an argument. So fine, mate. Don't tell me for a minute that that guy's targeted his knee there. I'm not having that. I, I, you can't, you could never, you can never. 100% no for certain unless he admits it, can you? You, no, but I've, know. you know, I've seen enough rugby over the years and I've seen enough interactions between professional rugby players to know that there, there is an innate um, understanding amongst those lads that they're part of a club and they look after each other. They don't do shit like that anymore. But that, just, uh, yeah, was, which is fair was, enough. And I don't... It was a bad, it was a bad outcome but I'm not having that. It was in, you know, you, you listen to the usual channels and it always oh, targeted his knee. He should be banned for life. He should be banned for however long the player's injured for. It's like you cunts have been telling everyone to go lower. This is what happens when you go lower. Yeah. I mean, there, again, there's two, there's two schools of thought. I've seen lots of rhetoric of people, you know, saying that, ex-professionals saying that he's that he knows what he's done and he's and he's done him and then there's the flip side of that that you quite rightly say yes he was he came from the side you know on the side and another six inches higher and he's and he's on the thigh and it's all good is there a middle ground here that he's he's lost his temper a bit he's decided he's just gonna fly in and hurt him um and by bad or good luck, whichever way you look at it, he's caught him in a bad area and done a lot more damage than perhaps he was intending to. I mean, we've all yeah. seen that happen. Someone's quite, like lost their temper possibly. a bit. I don't, think, I don't think they're mutually exclusive uh, outcomes, are they? I think, I just think it's one of those things again where something bad happens and we judge everything by the outcome of that thing. So if he gets up and walks away, we probably look at it and go, that he's lucky he got away with that. Was it as bad? Well, he's, you know, I just, I just feel like as with most things, you know, when, when people have head contact in a tackle and the player bounces up and runs away, nobody's like, Oh, he's hit him in the head. It's like, just move on to the next tackle. But if someone goes down and stays down, then it's, I'll ban the guy for life. He's trying to decapitate someone. There's there's a bit of an example of that in the the Worcester Exeter game, wasn't there? We can we'll come on to a bit a bit later. Um, I mean, it's all it's all fair enough, and I think if if Swain hadn't had a little bit of previous, I know he got he got sent off in the in the summer, didn't he? After a little tete a tete with with Johnny Hill, and I think his maybe exuberance of youth or you know whatever. I it suppose is, to a degree that is how laws work, isn't it? Because if your um, red trousered Saracens friend gets driven home by his mate who's had five or six pints and they get pulled over, he'll get one punishment. But if he runs someone over and then gets pulled over, he'll get another different punishment, isn't it? So you do have a yeah, but degree that, of... That's, that's because he would have broken two laws. He would have drunk, drove and committed death by dangerous driving. The the clear out, the, the one, the, the thing that is the penalty is entering from the side. Going mm. at someone's knee isn't a penalty. Yeah, it's not the law. And somebody getting injured doesn't carry extra sanction. Now you could say that, why well, is it reckless? Well, I don't see how you can claim that that's reckless because he's he's entered from the side, yes, but he's gone low as per the directives and he's and just wasn't- happened weak point he wasn't out of control either was it he didn't like no. fly in like Skelton has flown in you've seen before to me the reaction is based on the outcome and an outcome shouldn't be part of 
part of a rule of a game, like part of a rule of a sport, it's or a law of a sport. Don't want any bedwetters to tell me off about that. Um, <laughs> fair enough. I think it shouldn't be part of the law. The outcome, the 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 facts are, he entered from the side of a ruck, so it's a penalty. It wasn't reckless, in my opinion. It just so happened that he caught a weak point, and and pop somebody's knee in twain but that should have no discernible um input into the decision making process or the 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 citing process afterwards otherwise you know what what happens if you tack tackle tack tackle someone and they fall over and break their collarbone do we have to pull you up because it's reckless because you don't know what's going to happen to the player after you've done it because he's broken his collarbone. I think it's slightly that's a slightly different scenario. Why is it? No, because you're, you're you're committing an action that is out of control. When you tap tackle someone, you don't know what's going to happen to them. If it, okay, but if he cut if if Swain had come in legally into that ruck and the same thing had occurred, then yeah. there would be there would be quite literally no sanction. No, but at the same, same time... Same as of a tap tackle. Right. Legally. Right. So the sanction was a penalty, right? Did he get sent off? Did he get sent off? Yellow, he got yellow, didn't he? he? got a yellow. Right. So what's the yellow for coming in at the side? Well, we that, was, that was the only... That... in the side unless they injure someone, in which case... The yeah, only he... reason they looked at it, the only reason they looked at it is because of the injury. They would never have... They would never have... They would never have... Going back no, and so they are directly refereeing that circumstance on outcome, which you can't do. Otherwise, you'll you'll have to pull up every single every single try. But I'm I'm not sure there's any coming back from that. This kind of officiating, I think it's once you set a precedent for something's happened. Oh, he's got an ouchie. Well, we better review it. It becomes well. Then every person that gets injured has to be reviewed, and and then your decision making process is coloured by the fact that that person is injured. Yeah, it's a, yeah. there was a good, the good one of the good documentaries. I can't remember who recommended it on uh, Long Snapper this week about uh, the untold stories. Have you seen the one about the NBA ref? No. Okay, so there's an NBA ref who was giving information to people for gambling purposes. And um, <clears throat> he was saying that he was, he just had in, he was basically inside of trading on the NBA. Right. So he would know that I'll like throughout the documentary you get, Oh, well, I knew that so-and-so coach had a run in with one of this referee. So this referee was uh, the next time he was refereeing was going to ping them every time they did something to get back in. So I knew that their job would be harder. So, it's likely you bet on the other team. And when he got rumbled or gets rumbled, I won't, I don't care. When he gets rumbled by the FBI and, and everyone gets involved, the FBI sit him down and say, were you fixing matches? And he was saying, no, because I wasn't actually betting on the games. All I was doing was giving information that I knew to people who would then bet on it. Yeah, but the the FBI would say to him, "Well, you may not have been fixing games, but subconsciously you could have been making decisions based on the fact that you knew money was being bet on the outcome that you were suggesting." Right. So actually, you were influencing that game even though you didn't know. Right. That's kind of what's happening here with these decisions because when when it goes to video ref and you're seeing a player arriving in Agley and and on gas and air and being carted off a pitch, you're looking, well, that must have been bad. So regardless of what you actually see, you've already got in your head, well, it must have been foul play because that bloke's injured, regardless of the facts. And the facts were he came in at the side at a slightly dodgy angle and broke someone's knee. Again, again, that that is a lot, you know, it's a lot like the um the done incident for Exeter at the weekend where it, where his foot was touching the floor I can't remember who the winger was but they they looked they looked at it for so even though yeah. it, they, it was clear his foot was on the floor when the, the contact was made 
they felt like they had to go and look and look and look at to make yeah and I, I text I texted the Brit, didn't I? That British television, HD televisions filmed at I think 30 frames a second. Yeah. Can't remember. No, 30. 30 frames a second. So and the difference between his foot being up and his foot being down was two frames. So that's one fifteenth of a second. Yeah, exa- exactly. So yellow so it, card and yeah. play on. Yeah. Or even or not even yellow card, potentially red card and play yeah. on. Right. And and when it's that close, when it is that minutely close, they shouldn't even look. They should have looked at it once and gone. That's really, really close. We've got to give him the benefit of the doubt here because that is really close. It's not clear that his foot was in the air. If his foot was three or four or five inches in the air and you could see it, fine, no problem. But when it was that close, just, just get on with it. We don't need to keep looking at it over and over and over again. Move on. Yeah. I mean, it's a tenth of a second. A tenth of a second between your team playing with 15 and playing with 14. It, it's madness that it comes to this. Yeah. Madness. Absolutely. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll again, we'll come on to that, that game in a minute. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll leave that, that Bledisloe Cup match uh, right there. Right then, on to the weekend's Premiership. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get to watch anything Saturday because I was at the Perriporth Annual Event, uh, Awards evening um, or afternoon. Got very, very messy. Did you pick anything up? I didn't pick anything up, no. Um, poor Erin. Uh, they have a, a trophy for a hole. They call it the, the hole in the bat, the duck award. So the person in the club with the most ducks for the season. Oh, no. um, and that just happened to be my 13-year-old daughter in adult cricket, which is a bit harsh, um, considering it was her first season. Um, but I, had to, I gave her a few days warning to get used to it. <laughs> uh, and I said, look, you're, you're winning this. You need you need to step up. Yes, it's not, you know, it's it's a bit of a joke and embarrassing, but I was like, you know, accept it with good grace, accept it with a smile, and do better next year. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, well, that was the conversation I had with her. I said, like, someone's got to win it. You know, if it's you, so what? Doesn't matter. Should drive drive you to get better. Don't get as many ducks now next year. And it literally is a cricket bat with a hole in the middle, the size of a cricket ball. <laughs> um, but she then won a uh a cricket bat in the raffle, a very nice cricket nice. bat as well. So, you know, yin and yang. Um, right. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I didn't get to watch anything on on Saturday. Um, what was the game? What was the game on telly on live on BT on Saturday? Was it Quinn's um, Quinn Saracens? I'd imagine, wasn't it? It was, yes. But Douglas, you were at uh, Welford Road, were you not? I was indeed. In the, uh, well, in the I wasn't. Track? I was in High Wycombe. Oh, in High Wycombe. High Wycombe. Yeah, I was there for um, Leicester against Newcastle. Quick question: Is the TMO in with TMO's you on in site. on site? So the TMO's mm-hmm. on site. You're yep. as and a director. Tempo. Tempo. Hello, yeah. Tempo. I think he might have even given me a, a shout out. When, oh, really? Uh, we had a decision. There might there might have been a uh, yeah. Thanks, Dougie, from Tempo. Uh, thanks, Dougie. In the big up. Cheers, Tempo. Big, big big up from the Tempo, from the Tempmeister, from the, from the Tempo, keeping the Tempo with the Tempo. Wow. Anyway, tell us a bit. Tell us a bit about <laughs> um, Tigers versus Falcons. Would you make? Um, well, Steve Borfick talks a lot of nonsense, doesn't he? <laughs> it's like um, coaches go to Saracens. They get put through a a bullshit, a random bullshit interview generator. And then they turn up and they, because he talks exactly the same as old Nobby up at sale. Oh, Alex Anderson. Yeah. Um, And who are, what other Saracens coaches are? Kelly Kelly Brown. Yeah. They all do it. And they all talk the same. Uh, Lot lot of new, uh, lot of new partnerships out there. Uh, the boys have worked really hard. Uh, yeah, we just got to keep working. Keep working now. Newcastle are a good side. It's like, oh God, why do we do this every week? Got to do two, two, two minute interviews where they just, just regurgitate the same it, crap. 
it's absolute cliche villain it like the 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 DORs or whichever one of their minions they get to talk to uh, the commentary team for two minutes in the first half and two minutes in the second half. The BT BT Sport think it gives real insight to the people watching, and it's a, like a, almost a pull back the curtain, and it's a you know it's a it's a good thing to see. For anybody that knows anything about rugby, really, those people do not say anything at all than what you can see with your own eyes. Well, the, pro- the problem we've got is that when they do say stuff, it's so sensational. Like, when, remember when Ellis Gens said the, the old uh, sausage thing and it, and it was like <laughs> national news that Ellis <laughs> Gens said sausage on telly. It's like, it's not surprising that they do it. I just wish that we hadn't, we aren't, weren't in a position where people are terrified to say anything for, for, fear of looking looking bad i just you know these people are interesting people there's stuff they could say and real insight they could give about how they feel about how rugby is at the moment and and what's going on with the game but you're never going to get it man you're never going to get it and it and it's interesting you know having had a little insight into lower level rugby with the chinna game and the army navy game it kind of filters down and you want those people at that level to be real and, and, and to give the insight that you don't get at the top level because it would be genuinely interesting. But with most things, you, you get a, a way of doing it at the top level that sort of permeates into everything else. And it, and it just kind of, it's just really dull, man. I just, I, you might as well not do these interviews because nothing's ever said. It's like the man of the match interviews. Like it's the real Steve cliche. Borthwick. The real Steve Borthwick is calling Pat Lamb a cheat. You know, yeah. that that's the that's the bloke I want in an interview. Um, but anyway, by the by, the game was it's quite interesting actually because Leicester came out really really quick and and Nadolo looks like superhuman. I, I I'm not sure who his opposite number was. I don't think it was Radline, but every time he got the ball, he looked dangerous. I think the problem with him is he does it like once every three or four months. And the rest of the time, he's just a fat bloke that just stands there and knocks the ball on. Yeah. What's his contract situation? Isn't he leaving? He's going back to New South Wales in in a few months, but listen, if if he could do what he did, on Saturday every week, the bloke could earn two million a year because no one could get near him. But he just—I don't know. There's—he he doesn't do it often enough for me. It's like when Matey Boy—I can't remember his name now, let alone pronounce it. Ben, maybe you could pronounce it. The the guy who was at Saints, um, who you know when he he first turned up was unbelievable, and then teams slowly started to work out that he didn't have any hands and. It was pretty easy to stop. I can't remember what his name was. The winger. Come on, Ben. You barely said anything tonight. Yeah, but I don't know who he's talking about. The Saints winger who played for Australia. Okay. Like for GM fella. (laughs) Yeah, but I still can't remember his name. Doug, this is where I'm... I should know that, being a, a Saints fan, shouldn't I? Being a big Saints fan. A huge Saints fan. Yeah. Was he Australian? Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. And fuck knows why. Well, I can't remember his name. But but the comparison is the same, right? Like he used yeah. to do things that you just think. Angeli Nairavoro. Nairavoro. That's right. And he do things. He do things, and you'd be like, "Fuck me! No one can stop him." Lit like no, yeah. he will beat the world. And then other days, it was just like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" Yeah, just a massive man with dicks for fingers. Yeah. <laughs> And that's and that's a similar similar thing to Nadolo, isn't it? You know, they're 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 one and the same. And you know, you could probably apply very similar um I I genuinely love to see them playing level five in the centres together. <laughs> that hell. that would be incredible. <laughs> I mean, if you're if you're a winger in that game, um you may as well put your slippers on. Because <laughs> you ain't you ain't seeing no ball. Um 
but fucking hell. Can you imagine lining up in the centre? If you're if you're a, a level five, you know, you, you come in to, you know, pick up your 40, 50 quid or whatever it is for your level five game. And uh <laughs> team absolute <laughs> absolute mutants turn up. And you're like, yeah. yeah, as you see them warming up, you get a, a Perry Hughes hamstring go in the warm-up. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, Gaffer. Gotta go. Can't 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 do it. But I'm not I, I'm not sure um Back to the back to the game. I'm not sure Leicester look quite as good as last year, which is understandable with George Ford not being there. They Gopeth playing at ten this year. He he won't be able to play ten every week. Um, he'll break. Um, I know I'm they've surprised. got. He's fucking Jerry um, Pollard was Pollard was there, wasn't he? Um, in the crowd, but. They just their forward pack doesn't look as good. I I, I mean I guess Visa's not there. I know Visa was there. Um, yeah, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't look as good. Not no Genge. Um, I don't know. Newcastle though, they play decent rugby. They just can't defend, man. They they've got no defense. Porous is how I'd describe them. <laughs> Very porous. Yeah. But Leicester are kind of without their whole, almost the whole spine, aren't they? At the moment, you got no, yeah, no Dan Kelly. Got no Ford, like you said. You've got um, the Argentinian hooker's not there, um, and the number eight's not there. Is that Montero? But, Montero. Um, Can't remember. Anyway, yeah. yeah, it is Visa that wasn't there. Visa, yeah, not there, Visa. Is it? Visa. Yeah. So no Visa, no Genge. Montoya, isn't it the hooker? Montoya, yeah. Uh, no, no Dan Kelly. No Stewart. No French so, shield. Yeah, I mean they're missing quite a few players, and they still put four, hung forty on Newcastle. So, but it doesn't matter because Newcastle won't go anywhere. Um, yeah. So, who really gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> that was cheery, wasn't it? Like you know, just <laughs> see what happens. Um, really gives the game. The game. The game that was on telly was was Quinn Saracens that finished twenty seven thirty to Saracens. Um, I mean, again, I didn't see. It. I've seen some of the highlights of the tries. Um, Seems early. a little bit harsh that they didn't get to play. You know, their best player. Who? Harlequins. Little Marcus Smith wasn't playing, was he? Keep up, Russ. Come on. Oh no. And that, but that again, like that wasn't allowed to play because some people in their infinite wisdom, the the progressive rugby people who or the people who feel like that they should be the arbiters of how many games a professional rugby player should play, say that he's not allowed to play because he hasn't had a sufficient amount of rest since he played three matches in July. The last of which I think was at the end of July, so two months ago. And he's got to have 10 weeks. It's just utter bullshit, isn't it? If you're paying yeah. someone 400 grand a year plus, I don't give a fuck, mate. You're an investment. You're, play, you're playing. In a big game against Saracens, you can rest for the next two weeks. We need you to I play agree, this mate. game. Look, you're preaching to the choir here, mate. I, I think if you're taking your money from a club um, to be a professional rugby player, you play as many games as you play until you break, and then we wheel you out in a fucking wheelbarrow and we get another one. But but I'm sure if you'd asked Marcus Smith, he would have had his boots on in a fucking heartbeat. Yeah, because yeah. he don't get hit. No, oh no. But all that will happen is so Marcus Smith will he'll he'll come back. He might play one or two games for Harlequins, and then it's Autumn Internationals time. Mm. And then he'll be gone yeah, again for um, eight weeks. Mate, it's it's crazy. The like the the in television, mate. The accountants have won in. In rugby, Twitter is one. Don't get me started on Twitter. I had a bit of a moan about echo chambers. And I, I found out about a thing that I didn't really know much about. It's, it's a Twitter circle. And it's basically the, the equivalent of having a tweet and making it so only people you mention or that you follow can reply. So you can really sort of... Um, you can really digest the the people that are replying to you rather than actually opening it out for a, a debate. But circle is even in more introverted than that because then only people 
within your circle can see what you've posted. So they yeah. can only see it and then reply to it. It's it's the most self-indulgent thing. I think well, yeah, and, and, and by that happening, they they um kind of believe that what they're saying is the what everyone's thinking and it's yeah know. um everyone delete twitter and you know yeah i mean the word Elon Musk buys it and then delete it yeah um there were a few more games on on saturday ben bath lost at home to sale um despite sale having shown it sent off in the first 10 minutes still couldn't yeah that, couldn't get over the that, line that was uh that was uh, one of those red cards wasn't it it's like Nick Sean playing for sale yeah well, he sold me three donuts at Worcester on Sunday. <laughs> he did. I mean, I mean I'd love to say you, I'd love to say that you were lying. He did. Actual Nick Shonut. Actual Nick Shonut with the horror scar on his face. The axe <laughs> wound on his face. Sold me three donuts made by Guilt Trip Coffee from the back of a van at Worcester. Brilliant. I mean, you're not getting you're not getting that level of of podcasting anywhere else this week you really aren't and there's this titles uh for this week's podcast show nuts donuts <laughs> he's not from cornwall mate <laughs> I'm, and i'm gonna spell it like that as well donuts show nuts donuts that's how it's get. that's how it's getting spelt um <laughs> but they- but bath are showing a few signs of, a bit of signs of life though i think you know they they look a at least a little bit more attacking the ability to score points this season. Um, but Pierce yeah, Francis I mean, at 10. Was it Pierce Francis I mean, at 10 or was he at 12? He Pierce at Francis 10. played and he looked damn good in that kit, by the way. Handsome man. That The Bath kit's nice this year. All three of them are nice this year. I don't like that it's a solid blue back though, Ben. Oh, well, on the back. And the hoops go all the way around. Yeah, that's that's not necessary, is it? Does it, uh, does it, no. does it show he's got a fat back? um yeah i mean obviously this game wasn't on telly so from what i've seen of it it looked a little bit like bath were sort of living off scraps a little bit um but they scored two good tries i mean they should do with with that back line really um but you know sale looking at the team sheet that's a very strong sale side isn't it to a laggy who's playing his one game for the season um and you know you've got Hill, Curry, and the uh, the Dupriers. So you know it's, it's a fairly strong side. I mean, but as you say, I mean it's one of those red cards. I don't think should be a red card, but Bash would have been able to take advantage of that. What was it, fourteen minutes in or something daft like that? Yeah. So yeah. seven, sorry. So you know you shouldn't be, be- being beaten heavily at home by. Um, by 14 men and the seven yeah. 70 minutes yeah um i think atwood's a good sign in you know when he was younger he was hold, the, very- uh, hold, hold the phone <laughs> hold the phone ben <laughs> revelations all over the place on this week's podcast <laughs> sorry mate that was unnecessary i just met He's him not happy with that is he <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah looks like underhill's out till at least after the internationals so yeah, he's broken in it. He's just uh, um, that guy is an absolute body wreck, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He, I right. mean, he should have had three hundred caps for England by now. Oh yeah, if he was, if he wasn't perennially broken, then he's, he's England's Sam Warburton. Yeah, because when yeah. he plays, he's he's always the best player on the field. Yeah, very very good point. Um, let's move on slightly. And- Go on. Was, and save Jeff, Be- Jeff Bezos some money by being the uh, stock orc character in the new Lord of the Rings series. <laughs> not watched it. It's not for me, mate. <laughs> anyway, um, Wasps lost at home to Bristol. Wasps are in a, in a funny place, but they're not quite... Coventry. Coventry. <laughs> well, yeah. They um they're not quite as in a funny place as uh, as Worcester. Now wasn't wasn't Russ trying to build a mine in one of those episodes of Lord of the Rings? Russ, yeah, the the like big ginger dwarf. <laughs> the big ginger dwarf. Interesting. 
Yeah. 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 But we're talking about it. Worcester, I mean, Worcester, it's Tuesday evening now, five to nine. There's still no decision on uh, on Worcester's buyout. Um, they've got a Premiership Cup match tomorrow night away at Gloucester. No, there is no buyout. I'm telling you now, there's no one buying that club. They're thirty million pounds in debt, apparently. So they are. For no one's buying that rugby club. It's it's a tragedy because that, like, I say a tragedy. That's probably a bit much, isn't it? I mean, it's sad. It's sad for the people who have grown up it, uh, as Worcester fans. It's sad for a club. I tell you what was when when I first started going there, they used to have all the old in the club that naff side of the ground where there's a rubbish stand. They used to have in there all the old Worcester teams going back to like the 50s. You know how in the clubhouse you used to get the team first team photo yeah, every, every year. year. Yeah. And they were all up. And then one year, I can't even remember how long ago, maybe five or six years ago, they just disappeared. And someone just and it's that down. kind of thing that's going from all these clubs that 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 sort of link with their amateur days and their past and you know they used to play with a blue kit with a yellow hoop on it and now they play in this sort of just generic blue kit with a bit of yellow on it and they're called warriors and xyz it's like these clubs are losing their link to the past and that's what made them the big clubs they are now and not like Dunstablians or Newquay, you know, that they are proper died in the wall rugby clubs and, and blokes come in and just rip them to shreds and, and leave them in tatters. And it's, I it's mean, really sad. You mentioned Newquay there. It, it feels a bit like that in Newquay at the moment. Um, and I'm sure if Phil was here, he would, he would say the same. I mean, the, the behind the scenes stuff at Newquay is, is an absolute shocker at the moment, but uh, what is it with, with, with minority sports and, and, and the, the administration and, and the people who are involved behind the scenes just being absolute fucking morons. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, I don't understand Newquay, what it's, it not is. The, it's not the, it's not the people at the club. It's not the club's fault, but it, it, it's just, it's not good. Whatever, whatever way you look at it. But what I did find uh, pretty ironic from the, from the premiership, the PRL, that have now decided that uh, 5,000 people capacity or 5,000 stadium capacity is now acceptable in the premiership. I don't no, know if you noticed um, how many um, fans are at the Worcester game. Uh, 5,000. Nope. 4,999, was it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was more than 5,000 in that stand. But I'm telling you, they already told them there was five thousand in it. Yeah. Well, I guess that they, for for some sort of safety reasons and stewarding, they could only have legally. Well, yeah, them. but it, you know, it's um, it's a statement, in my yes. opinion. Yeah. Uh, but the but the point being that the PRL may have made this decision with with the member clubs and all this sort of stuff. Oh yeah, we'll reduce the the minimum capacity to five thousand, so that when Worcester or if when was to go to the wall so, they can let elin in it's so transparent that it's, it's so transparent joke. and unbelievably cynical that i don't understand how there hasn't been more fanfare and and, and noise made about this because it's like the prl have just gone well worcester are gone off you fuck yeah, that's right. Yeah, so no, but we'll get Elin, we'll get Elin, we'll get Elin in now because they can it, fill the seat. It's in their interests to help them stay in the league. Yeah, I it, it yeah, it, I, it know, really I, is. I won't say too much, but it, it is just so but, cynical. But they've but they they've almost gone. Well, you know, like you say, that's it now. Worcester will be gone. We'll let we'll let Elin in. What we'll do is when when Worcester go out of business, we'll give that seat to Elin because we know they're keen. You know they're, they're young and upcoming. These young upstarts. We'll, we'll get them in. You know we'll give them some of Worcester's players as well because they're going to need somewhere to go, and uh, and then we'll we'll shut the door again. We'll just bolt it up because that's it. Then nobody else will want to come up. Nobody else will have the means. Well, to come the regulations up. that no one's coming up next year. Yeah, but if Worcester if Worcester Go out of business, but it, are they it just going to go down to twelve member clubs? 
and then just it go well we'll have a mockery of it if if they say that people are uh, clubs are allowed to be promoted now yeah i mean uh, it sounds like duke agrees what i mean that's the first absolutely that's that's the first time i've you know i don't know how long you've had duke for we've had we've had him clattering his collar into his into his um into his water bowl or whatever it was but i've never heard him bark the way he barks like that so that was pretty mad i've just muted ben because I've had ben, of his... is Ben touching Duke inappropriately? I've just had enough of his dog. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking mad. He's just going up at the window, look. Oh, hello. He's got his lipstick um, out. Um, no, because it, it would... It kind of fucks the championship because some of those clubs wouldn't have spent the money that they might have if they'd have known that there was going to be a seat at the table available. So a club like... Um, Doncaster or or Pirates may well have spent a bit more cash to compete with Ealing if they thought there was an opportunity to go up, but they haven't had that opportunity. So they've planned accordingly. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because six months ago, the fucking door was firmly closed and bolted. It was yeah. 10,000 or nothing. Frustrating, man. It's frustrating being a rugby fan at the moment. It it feels like it feels like everyone's conspiring to make everyone's conspiring to make it as hard as possible to follow, watch, like, engage with any of it. I, I just I find it really tough as a fan. Like, forget what I do for a living, but. As a fan, I wish that the championship was more of a viable competition to the premiership. But even that's been discarded. It, you know, what, what, what are we doing with rugby? Like you've got a premiership that, that makes baffling decisions week on week and, and is just being allowed to sort of operate like it's the wild west and you and you've got the championship which everyone has basically just gone well that don't fucking matter why are we even bothering yeah you know it's it's tough to... it's tough i think a lot of people feel the same as well like i was i was talking to several people about it this week and it, it's like the constant stoppages in the game are just so frustrating you know you, the game just starts to get entertaining and you've got to take five minutes out to um take a look at whether someone might or might not have accidentally caught someone in the chin yeah. I don't know you know I, I've said it before and it didn't go down very well but whether you know rather than keep stopping the game just have a count up after the game and if if there's any tackles that you know you know after four replays have had some head contact or something you know maybe everyone should have a quota of points and if you you know if you if you if you have one you know one minor one, you know, on count back, you get one but, point. But Ben, they, they, they have a bloke that does stuff like that, that can issue re- retrospective bans. He's called a sighting commissioner. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, just, just put an it. incident on report. It doesn't need to, yeah. to go down this whole fucking every single decision has to be critiqued and looked at. We've been over it. It's, we've been going over That's old ground, but it, it's making the product more and more difficult the first half at Northampton London Irish this week took 67 minutes what you can't (laughs) you can't watch that can you it's just no two three yellow cards that's three yellow cards in 40 minutes of rugby and a 67 minute half and and it's like you were saying earlier they'll start those yellow cards now will start to feed through to um to lower level games where there isn't a video but people yeah. I remember you know Hornets played after one of these directives about high tackles got brought in you know it got brought in on January the 1st and Hornets had a game on you know January the 6th or something like that and there were five yellow cards in the game and, it, and that's well and good but when you're playing at an amateur level I don't know how much a rugby yellow card costs because I've never been yellow carded but I know in football it was like 17, 18 quid wasn't it is that what it's card. got up to now 
That's what it was when I was playing. I remember my red card. The red card I got playing football for Bentley Priory is something like 60 or quid. Shit. Not and that was in 2003, so... Yeah, I don't think I don't think getting a yellow card in in rugby is is the same. It can't. No, be. I'm not sure it is, but not not yeah. as they're handing them out like fucking sweets. Um, but yeah, it doesn't doesn't exactly add to the enjoyment of everyone's match on a Saturday, does it? You know, no, no, no it doesn't. Um, it was a way. Of- it was really telling on uh, during the Army Navy match. Like looking back at that as a as a viewer, just how much better the game flowed because decisions were made there and then well i wonder like i didn't i didn't watch it because we we couldn't but the ma- the bristol bath match you should. why couldn't you the bristol bath match the other week i thought you were talking about the army navy no 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 the bristol bath match where there was no tmo and i think there were there were some fairly contentious decisions but everybody kind of just accepted there was no tmo and got on with it yeah now what if what about if you had you know that instead of a like the sighting commissioner who's in the stand or whatever Instead of having the TMO just pick up on everything, tell them to fuck off, right? Until you're asked to look at something. And then everything else just gets left to a replay of the match and the sighting commissioner and just sight him afterwards. Let's not- we're all we're all we're we're all um slaves to the Barnesyisms now, aren't we? Where every referee's got to talk in a certain way. Now I just need to know if what we're looking at. Has there been contact to the head neck area, or is the contact first with the shoulder and then up onto the head neck area? And it's like, fuck me. Like, we all, yeah, you're all intelligent blokes. Yeah, you all look good on telly. Make a fucking decision. Doug, Doug, just, I just want to to get your opinion before we go. Like, I didn't really want to go too much about the the extra Worcester game because it was scrappy at best and an extra of one twice now without really putting in a decent performance what was the overall mood like it it worcester what was what was you know what was the atmosphere like? well, i think the, the the fans there were were obviously really behind their team and the, and the players obviously were were really up for it and there there was a, a mood of well we're going to do this for worcester rugby club and the fans were going to be there for the players who were turning up without getting paid and you know that kind of backs to the wall kind of feeling but yeah the, the atmosphere is exactly how you think it'd be you know you felt like a lot of their fans probably thought that this was probably the last time they'd ever watched them the problem was russ i was 60 foot up a hoist so i couldn't really tell true true but you did get donuts sent sold to you by show nuts Nick, Nick, Nick Show Nuts, Greeny Sea Donuts. <laughs> there we go. Nick Show Nuts, Greasy Donuts. <laughs> um, right. With uh, with six minutes left of, of this particular Zoom call, um, shall we get into some any other business and then get the flock out of here? You sure. For that? Douglas, why don't you give us some any other business? Um, I'll tell you what I'll say. I'll Let's go about the um, the Queen's the Queen's funeral, which obviously was uh, you know very well done. Um, I'm sick to death of people who work in telly putting pictures of themselves working in telly on the internet. Well, I don't give a fuck if you've worked at the Queen's funeral. Genuinely, stick your pass up your jacksy. I don't care. You know I bet I mean? that's, I I bet that's rife in your industry. Isn't it? The, Queen's funeral. the only reason you're putting all that on there is to tell everyone that you worked on the Queen's funeral and no one cares. I bet that's rife here. You know, all the Facebook friends there's, and there, people for just everywhere. Mate, there's a couple of them on Facebook. Like every single day they do a job, they put this, the, pic, the same picture of a camera and then them standing there taking a selfie with the ground behind them. And it's like, I just... Don't give a flying fuck, mate, that you're at Watford today. I couldn't give a shit. Stop doing it. Um, the other thing about that was the broadcast was on air from like eight till five. And it felt like for the majority of that, I was just watching people having a slow walk. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the military pre- the military precision 
that that went into that. I mean, it makes you wonder how long that they've they've actually trained for well, mate, the, with those specific people. Grenadier guards don't do fuck all else today. They just was, stand there doing drill. It was unbelievable. Didn't see didn't see the too RAF many. Uh, time, didn't see many many QCS though. <laughs> Um, oh fuck! Well, that's me. That's me. Okay. I just just stop putting your fucking selfies on about where you are working. Like, ben, put, I don't mind if you put a selfie on about some something that's interesting. Just just not another picture of a fucking camera. I don't care if it's on the mouth. You dicks. <laughs> ben, go on. Um, yeah, uh, I thought the yeah the military bits of the funeral were were brilliantly done, weren't they? But. Um, yeah, I just want to probably just a plea to my neighbours is next time I'm doing a podcast, could you keep your cat in your house? Because um, <laughs> quite interrupted the flow there for a bit. Yeah. I'd just like to say crunchy ice creams are available from Rawlinson's. <laughs> very nice. Very good. Very nice. Um, a couple of things for me. Like the, the whole um, fury that Britain has gone into meltdown because Holly Willoughby and Phil Schofield jumped the queue to see the queen in a coffin is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever, ever heard. But who cares? Right. Phil Schofield's a cunt though. Right. Yeah. So I hope they do get him because he is an asshole. He left his family for a, an 18 year old boy. But, it's it's not like in the grand scheme of it, it's just really not important that two people skip the queue and however many other countless celebrities or whatever. And just because Susanna Reed decided to fucking queue up with her mum and David Beckham decided to queue up because his dad said that was the right thing to do, you know, all all, all for humility and all for just being normal people, but don't make Plus a big thing about... the least humble people I know. I'm as you humble as they come. Let me tell you, if you'd have been given half a chance, you'd have jumped that queue. I wouldn't you'd have been, been in the right queue at the front, me. pushing grannies out of the way. I'm not. I'm not really <laughs> interested. Having, you know, we we did our, our bit of time in the military. I was never a, a proper, you know, rah rah Royal Air Force person. But you know, I I'd started genuinely to get a little bit sick of it all. You know, I just I couldn't wait for it all to be to be over. Um, and the self righteousness. What, what I said was, you would definitely have pushed grannies and children out of the way. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Definitely wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. Um, and secondly, and on a, on a lighter note, um, I discovered a series on Netflix, and this may shock you, given my history of not liking stuff that isn't remotely believable. Um, I like wine. I've just finished watching uh, the Umbrella Academy. I don't know if you've watched the Umbrella Academy. Have you, no. have you watched it? It's worth, worth a look. Quite enjoyed it. And for all of my, again, yeah, saying I don't like fantasy type stuff, it was very good. Mm. So uh, there you go. Um, this was fun. Felt a little bit more upbeat, slightly more organised, a little bit, little bit better this week. Um, that's, that's my opinion anyway. Obviously, yours may differ. Uh, we may be back next week. I'm hoping that we might see, um, we might have the handsome back at some point. Um, but Nuki are playing Vior this Saturday at Nuki. Um, if there's any uh, streamed footage, I will watch. Um, <laughs> and there's also half a chance that I might make a comeback. What? Against what? Vior. Marshmallow head. Yeah. Before this broadcast ends any second, it, it, it's a distinct possibility. Given Nuki's current injury list and availability, it may be that, that, Old old man Melson gets wheeled out for one more one more go. Oh my good. But we'll see. And I'm sure if anyone's around, they might do some live streaming and or video of me getting marmalized by a I'd ogre, love to see it. By an ogre from Camborne. So anyway, this this will end very, very soon. Podcast Network. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.